Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. Well, good morning again, everyone. Or whatever time of day it is for you when you listen to this. <clears throat> so yesterday, I I know we, we kind of got done with the story Bathsheba, but I, can I just... I need to revisit something because most of the day, and I, I had a very active day, met with some really good friends, had a great time, but but my in the back of my head, there's this subroutine that's running on on this on this confrontation slash judgment from God that that Nathan uh, puts out there. So Nathan draws up these these things and and I mean if you don't if you didn't listen to yesterday's or last week's podcast I totally understand you you might be a little uh, confused but I believe that in essence God was showing Nathan what could happen because of the doors that David opened up by sinning he gave access to the enemy to do some terrible things I don't think that this was in God's sovereign will to do these things to David in order to make him pay for for doing for sleeping with Uriah uh, sleeping with Bathsheba and killing Uriah and that's that's really the essence right that is the essence of the difference between between people who believe God is a God of wrath and and people like myself who who believe that God is good and and not just good, but he's good throughout time. And ah, uh, so this is this is the this is the thing that <laughs> it just kept running in the back of my head. There was there that whole scene where he says, uh, I, "I'm going to bring calamity down on you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight." You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. And and I'm I'm thinking of the scene, and I'm thinking, so so people who believe that this is this is the sovereign will of God to bring judgment on David by bringing upwards of probably twelve or more women out into the open and having them raped publicly. Like this is the will of God. And God is going to set the 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 wheels of history in motion and there is no way for David to avoid this judgment. Because this is God. You you know well, well like what are you going to tell these women? I I, I mean honestly you're gonna to go to them after they are after they are stripped naked, laid out in the public eye, which doesn't mean necessarily that like there's CNN up there, but but they're on the rooftop, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit again later. But they're on the rooftop. There'll be a big tent, uh, not covering them, just banners. I should say there'll be banners. There'll be a bed. Uh, the whoever. Well, we know who it is. It's Absalom. But at this point, we don't know who, who it is, right? He's saying, you know, I'm going to lay lay this. He's going to lay there. 
The women are going to be brought out naked. They're going to they're going to be laid out in front of him. He's going to have sex with them all. All of the all of the leaders and council of of this you know of this coup that goes on. They're all going to watch it. This is all going to be a public rape. Like, oh, you're you're going to look at these women. Some of some of you, some of you, and I know it's not everyone, but some of you would look at these women and say, "Well." It was the will of God. You know, God is good all the time. And somehow this this is part of his plan. He's, it's part of his plan for you. It's part of his plan for the nation of Israel. It's part of his plan for David to, you know, to, to have David feel the weight of the sin that he committed. Uh, you know, your life is going to be ruined. Uh, but that's okay because, you know, God... God is a just God, and He's a righteous God, and and He's a loving God, and He'll take care of you, and you know He'll He'll soothe your soul, and He'll He'll bring healing to your emotions because well He had to do this to you in order to get back at David because David really made him angry, and this is this is on David. It's really David's fault that you're being raped publicly and humiliated publicly because you know David's killed Uriah, David slept with Bathsheba in secret. And God's going to make sure. Now, everybody can see the the horribleness. What? Honestly? Like, I can't, I can't even anymore. I can't, I can't. Oh, my word. I just, oh. And what's, what's crazy is I'm not making up that line of logic. It is a line of logic that I have heard, a line of logic that, that for some people make it makes sense. Oh my word! Oh my word! Oh my word! Oh my word! Really? Oh, I shouldn't get this riled up again. It's like six o'clock in the morning. But it just bothers me. It bothers me that that's who some people believe God is, and they still call Him good. They're like, "Well, He's good. He's He's good at getting periodically getting really pissed off." And just wrath pouring out from him, and he doesn't do it all the time because he's good all the time. But but when he does it, he does it righteously. There must have been something in the lives of these women that deserved this judgment. There must have been something that he knew that that was you know that that was part of their their world. You know, a lot of them were foreign women. Maybe they worshipped foreign gods, and so like he just he's. What what's happening to them is terrible, but it's really it's okay. Like oh, that's just that's just like blind. It's putting on the blinders. It's putting on the blinders, and a lot of times it's because it fits some personal dynamic that you want to be able to get filled with wrath and say I'm just I'm I, you know I'm just following God's example. You want to do something to pay people back or you want to manipulate God to do it. So you, you reach out to God and your prayers are like, God rain down fire on those people because for some reason you think God's on your side and not on their side. You think God's with you and not with them. You think that you you think that, and sometimes it's, it's like even people who also claim to be Christians, you're calling down, you know, destroy their ministry, God, I, I hope they're, you know, can you help their church fail? Because our church is a better church. We have, we we teach the truth. We teach the truth and they're teaching lies. 
Father, you know, Father, you are good and, and you are righteous and, and we call you the righteous judge and judge them, Father, for what they've done. Oh, my word. I mean, go back to Jesus. He's on the cross. He's like, Father, like forgive. He's laying out forgiveness for people who don't even know what they're doing. He's like, they don't even consciously understand what's happening here. But I'm, you know, I'm going to release forgiveness for them anyway. I'm not even going to wait for them to figure it out and then confess it. That's how, that's how, that's how forgiving God is and has always been. So David gets forgiven. He, 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 he says, I've sinned against the Lord. And the next phrase from Nathan is, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. He, uh, like that's God. He does not sovereignly destroy people's lives because he's going to pay them back for their sin. He doesn't publicly humiliate people so that somebody else feels the, the weight of their sin. Like, ah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so, well, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry and I'm not sorry. I'm sorry that this podcast probably is a little weird because I'm just groaning here and there. It's just the logic, the logic of some that just that just blindly said, well, but God is good. And I kept thinking of these women and I kept thinking that's that's gonna be what you're gonna say to them. Like that's that there's a whole realm of Christianity that would say that to them. Well, God is good all the time. So what just happened to you is, you know, it's just part of his sovereign will. Oh, oh. and and yeah, you know, if you've listened to these podcasts, you know, I don't believe that God's sovereign will is an irrevocable, no possibility of changing. I believe his sovereignty oversees all possibilities, all choices. And we have the freedom to make those choices. And he knows, he knows the probabilities of us, of our choices. He knows us so well. And he's able to look, you know, at our patterns. He knows, he knows our hearts. He knows, he knows our, our history. He knows our influences. And he, and he's able to, to take all of that and he, and he sends out warnings, and he sends out this warning with Nathan. He's like, tell David, like, this is what he's opened himself up to. And I know, I, I love this guy, but I know the decisions that he's probably going to make. And he doesn't have to make them. So let him know what could happen. Let him know that there's violence coming to his home, that there's dissension coming to his, to his people. That there's going to be that there is going to be some calamity, some really bad stuff happening. He needs he needs to make better choices. He needs to get things right. And immediately David does. He immediately knows that he sinned against the Lord. And immediately God forgives him. First choice, really good. But David continues to make poor choices when it comes to being a father. When it comes to leading his family, David did not do a good job. 
and he bears the brunt of that. And God sees that coming, and he releases that to Nathan. Tell him what's going, what, what, what the not what's going to happen because I've declared it, but tell him the thing, the possibilities that that could happen if he continues to head down this road. It was it, oh, man. It's it's tough, and and I don't even think I covered uh, yesterday or whatever last week. For me, it was yesterday. Like, what is Ephraim, Bathsheba's father? Like, what what is his what is his reaction to all of this? Because he's one of the one of the top thirty uh, warriors in David's army. He's good friends with Joab. He knows what's going on. He heard the rumors probably within days of the event. There was there was there was intel. There was recon from some of his own men. And what about Ahithophel, Bathsheba's grandfather, who's one of the most trusted advisors of David, the most trusted advisor of David. And and he's constantly in in and around David and the decisions that are being made and the treaties that are being written up and the discussions that are taking place with various envoys and ambassadors from all over the world. Ahithophel is all over the place. Ahithophel had to have known. So what does he do? I think in both cases, they remained silent. They they were waiting for their time, and we see that later. That that will become obvious later. <clears throat> it's it's honestly it's it's amazing the implications of of what David did, the things he set in motion, that that the Lord the Lord knew the violence and the calamity that's coming to his house. He's like, do you understand? You've 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 put an, a, a horrible offense in the heart of your trusted advisor. Do you, have, do you have any idea of the impact that that's going to have if you don't walk that out? You've taken one of your mighty warriors and you've you've put him on edge. Yes, you married his daughter after a week of mourning. You married her, his daughter, and you and you you know you you took care of her. But he has to start to wonder: did did this did this have to happen? What was what was wrong with Uriah? Uriah was a good guy. He made the arrangements for Uriah to marry his daughter. And now now he has a you know he has a grandchild that dies. And then and then she gets pregnant again. And Ahithophel has a great grandchild that dies. And people are like, well, Nathan went in and and told it like Nathan told David the child's going to die. Nathan put that on the child. But everybody of course thinks God did. So God judges David, God judges this child, God kills this child. Everybody generally would have understood this to be judgment from God that God wasn't happy with something and and the rumors would have been perpetuated. David had Uriah killed. David, that was David's child. David slept with Bathsheba while Uriah was gone. These, these would have been, these would have been like tabloid information by the time she's pregnant again. 
And the family implications were huge. But again, I think God sends Nathan to warn David to say, this is the path you're on. You need to make different choices. So David's first choice was to ask forgiveness, and he was granted forgiveness. His next choice was to pray for for the healing of, of the child. And when that didn't occur, then the, he went with his wife and they mourned the death of their son and they slept together and she got pregnant again, which again brings all kinds of ramifications for her life in the harem at the palace. And Nathan's involved in this because I believe he had a strong influence on the uh, on the harem, if they wanted it, he was available. And Bathsheba took full advantage of Nathan's interactions. And then, and then at the end of this chapter, <laughs> at the end of this chapter, it says, "Meanwhile, verse twenty-six. I love that. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel." You see, meanwhile, while David is going through all of this, Joab is still at war. They're still besieging the cities of the Ammonites. Joab is leading the nation. Everything's going great. He keeps, he keeps, uh, you know, he, 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 what was it say? Oh, he captured the royal citadel. The, the main fortress is now fallen. It says, uh, he sent messengers to David. I have fought against Rabbah and taken its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. So the battle's going well. Joab, <clears throat> Joab is, remember, he's been, he was involved in the death of Uriah. He knows what David did. Uncle David. <laughs> And he calls out to David and he says, you know, come on out. This is an opportunity that Joab had to, well, to manipulate and to play politics. But I want to take this, this, little, this little thing, and it is just a few verses. I want to take this little thing and show that you can still honor people who have done dishonorable things. Joab shows honor to David in this moment. He could have taken the city. That was his job. His job was to defeat the Ammonites. He he cut off the water supply, which meant the citadel could no longer live. I mean, it's being being besieged is is one of those weird things because it's really a waiting game. I mean, you if the if the enemy comes too close, you have the high you have the high usually the high road right you, or the high the vantage point. You've got the walls. You can throw rocks at them. You can shoot arrows at them. You can pour oil on them and light them on fire. There's lots of things you can do. But if they don't come that close to the wall, then periodically you have to run out because you're still you still need to break them. You need to make it. You need to make it. Uh, very expensive on them regarding men and supplies 
so that they don't want to stay outside your city for years and years. But on the inside, if if your water supply gets cut off, then that means you can't grow crops in the city. And they they would if your if your city was besieged, then they would they would plow up the roads, they would plow up uh, like people would plant any anywhere where there was ground, they would plant food, and then they would um, you know water it. As long as they had a water supply, they could they could live within the city walls, sometimes for years theoretically. And there's some large cities that have been notedly uh, besieged for years. Uh, Constantinople was one of them. They had, I believe, seven walls around the city, different aspects of the city, but basically they had seven walls. Before you could actually take the city, you were going to have to get through a lot. And to actually take the city... They, they, you know, it took uh, some very creative shenanigans because just blowing up the walls wasn't working. Anyways, that's a, another whole little history story. So he, he captures the water supply. I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm sure I could have, but we're not going to go into the details of what that looked like. But he shows honor to David. He knows that David had Uriah killed. He knows that Bathsheba lost the first child. He knows that God, in, in his mind that, you know, David has received judgment from Nathan, i.e. from God, and David is hurting. And he could have taken advantage of David while David was down. But instead he says, I'm about to take the city. Like, why don't you, why don't you come on out to the battlefield? I mean, that's awesome. He brings David... He brings David out to a place where he knows David loves to be. He brings him out of the of the negative world that he's living under. The the constant rumors and the gossip, the the opportunities that people are trying to take advantage of him uh, politically. And he goes out to the battlefield. He musters up uh, uh, the rest of the troops. So that would be the palace guard. The uh, some of the elite troops that stay back at Jerusalem and protect it, he puts together this this army, and he comes out to Joab, and they take the city. David brought the whole army. They went to uh, Rabbah and attacked it and captured it. So it wasn't just like walk through the door, like I've captured the city, but you're going to be the first one through the gate and let's do a parade. David was part of a battle again. This had to bring him incredible encouragement. And Joab knew it would. Joab is honoring David by saying, why don't don't you come out and lead the troops into the final battles? Why don't you come out and, and take you know, put together an army like you used to do, call your troops together, rally them, come riding out here on your horses and mules and carts and chariots and whatever else you got. Like, come on out. Like, let's 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 do this again. It's like an old quarterback who can still play one more really good game. So he gets, you know, gets the call up from the coach. The young, the younger guy. Not that Joab was, you know, def, like hugely younger than David, but younger guys out there just slinging it away, winning the game. It's about to go down, and the coach says, 
or well, in this case, it wouldn't be the coach, but the the younger quarterback comes back and he says, "Hey, let the uh, let the the old one back in. This will be great. He can throw a touchdown pass. There's the defenses are you know we've crushed them. They they've got nothing left. Let him go out, feel the rush, the adrenaline. This is this is really a beautiful moment." And we can do the same thing with people around us. You may know stuff about your family. Remember, Joab is is family. You may know stuff about your family. And rather than take advantage of it and remind people of it, you can instead find ways to honor them. You can find ways to remind people of, of some of their better qualities rather than how they failed. And one of David's amazing qualities was on the battlefield. He was a genius and a mighty warrior. And Joab honored David by doing that. And we can, like I said, we can find ways to do that. Even even if it's small things. You know, at the office, you know that your boss is not that great of a guy or that great of a girl and makes some pretty bad decisions. But you find something that they do well and you honor that. That's what uh, That's what Joab does here. He's, he's a pretty good guy right here. So it says, uh, they David took the crown from their king's head and he placed it on his own head and it weighed a talent of gold and was set with precious stones. And David took a great quantity of plunder from the city and he brought out the people that were there and he consigned them to labor with saws and iron picks and axes and he made them work at brick making. David did all this to the Ammonite towns. Then he and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. So David, they, let, let me this this crown. This crown is is like historic. It is something that you can read about in archaeology and history books. The Ammonite crown was probably more of a headdress than just a circle thing that you put on someone's head because it weighed seventy five pounds. It probably looked like a big backpack. The, the crown part did go on your head, but it probably hooked around your shoulders and you carried it. It was heavy. And, and the king was wearing it when David came into the city. He was wearing it and there was probably this uh, ceremonial submission transfer of power where David rides in, his army comes with him, the citadel has fallen. The troops that were there are all disarmed, standing, humiliated, losers, whatever. They know that they've been defeated by a, a greater army, a more more well-led army. And the king is, is waiting and David rides in and, and the sun is shining and the dust is there and and he walks up to the king and he and he looks at him and he and he pulls this 75 pound <laughs> chunk of gold basically set with precious stones this is this is a huge symbolic deal for the for the Ammonites their crown was known throughout the region this was a this was a big deal and they take it he takes it off of off of the king and he puts it on himself, saying, basically, I now rule the people. The Ammonites now belong to me. And he, and he basically puts them all into, into labor. They start working at brick making. 
and he did it to all the towns. He rode around with his with his armies. They they're really you know they're they're taking out little pockets of of resistance, and people don't necessarily like being taken over, right? They're gonna be they're gonna push back. There's gonna be some pushback. There's gonna be some some rebellious uh, goof goofballs that are gonna try and take him out. So they kind of do mop-up work, and any any resistance they get, they capture them and they put them to work as slaves. Uh, that's the bottom line. They put them to work as brickmakers. So they're actually helping David build up his citadel, build up the city of David, which is on one hill uh, in Jerusalem, and the the residents and the walls around the entire city are all being fortified. Terraces are being built. There's there's just a lot of positive stuff going on in and around the the nation and the Ammonites now become people who help that happen. And David David brought all the wealth back to the to his nation and Joab like I said was just such a loyal man protecting David's reputation. He he could have he could have taken that city, he could have taken that crown, he could have renamed it after himself. He could have done all these things to to make David look weaker, to make David look like he wasn't even leading the army anymore. He had lost uh, respect when it came to his families. He had lost uh, you know some momentum when it came to his spiritual leadership because he was you know Nathan had come in and and let him have it. <laughs> I don't know how public that was, but I'm sure that it was known after after it occurred. He knew the truth, and he didn't use it against him. He uplifted David. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, yeah, he was just a good guy. It's good to have good leadership under you, not not political-minded people, but just people of good character. I know Joab's not a great, that perfect character. Nobody's a perfect character. Joab does his own thing periodically, like he did when he killed um, Abner for personal reasons. But Joab just just he shows good leadership, strong leadership. He could have taken a negative hit for this because there would have been there would have been people who were definitely looking to take down David. There were always people looking to take down David. When you're in leadership, there will always be people who look at you and think, I don't think they're doing a good job. It doesn't matter how good a job you're doing. There will be people who will maybe not plot your your destruction or your removal from, from that role, but there will be people who will always, in the back of their mind, think, it'll be nice when they're done. It'll be nice when they retire. It'll be nice when they leave. Maybe they'll get a better job somewhere else. Maybe we can get a better boss in here. Maybe I could be boss someday. There's there's all of those kind of thoughts, and and those kind of thoughts were in and around David, from his family to Bathsheba's family, which we'll see uh, had, trust me, Ahithophel is not happy. Ahithophel is waiting for the moment, and he plays a huge role in it. And Joab probably knows all of this is going on, and he's like, I just need to encourage my my boss, my uncle, my king. I need to let the nation see again that David is 
a mighty leader, a really good leader, and he honors and lifts up David into a place where once again he he is victorious. Once again he is powerful. Is this is a this is a beautiful thing that he did. So I I I know this is a short one. Hey, you guys get a short podcast today. Because there's really not much, I mean, we, you know, we covered what, like eight verses or something like that. But but often these verses get left behind. And I think we miss, we miss what happened here between Joab and David. We miss the loyalty. We miss the, the honoring of what is good. We miss the encouragement that occurs when honor is given. We miss the, the opportunity to look at what a good leader does. He doesn't take advantage of when the other leader falls. A good leader says, I can help you out. Let me lift you up. Let me let me put you in a position where you look good and you feel confident again. Joab was a good guy, even if he was family. And sometimes it's tougher to do those things when it is family because you know all the details and you've had access and you think, well, they've had their run. They had a really good run, but you know what they did was pretty bad, and I'm going to let them soak in it. I'm going to let them feel the weight of it. Joab, uh, Joab didn't, and neither should we. Neither should we. All right. So have a have a great week. This was uh this is awesome. Uh, feel free to write me. Always throw out your intake on uh, on all of anything you want, and let's uh, let's keep talking. I'll see you again next week. Oh, next week. Oh, next week. Yep. I can't get started. You'll see. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.